podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. And welcome along, Cricket Badgers around the world. It's good to have you with us again. Cricket Badger Podcast is sponsored by Manscaped.com for the best in male grooming. Vote Badger with your order and get 20% off and free shipping. I am James, as always. It's episode number about 537 of the Cricket Badger Podcast. And we finally got round to one of my uh, favourite cricketers to watch, certainly on the county scene. Um, he played for the wrong county. He used Lancashire and I'm a Yorkshire supporter. But anyway, that's another story. We can get into that further down the line. But Stuart Law, welcome along to the Cricket Badger podcast. Good to see you. Hey, James. Thanks for the invitation, mate. Look forward to it. Um, right. I've told you, we've got 20 questions. I always ask people. Um, some are a bit more serious than the others. And we'll start off with uh, um, question number one, which I always think is a good place to start. Um, why cricket? What is it about cricket that has dragged you in, kept you for the majority of your life and um, kept you involved with the sport? Well, well to be honest, um, I was born with a cricket bat in my hand. Um, my family, my, my grandfather was a good cricket player, you know, representative of, you know, Queensland country teams, etc. Um, my father was a good cricketer, same thing, represented Queensland country. Um, my uncles both played. So the, the probably the toughest games of cricket I played were the backyard test matches around Christmas time. You know, and the, the further I went along in my career, um, the more dangerous it got. Um, but I was born with a cricket bat in my hand. My family, uh, we're sport mad. Cricket got me in early, and uh, I've, I've been involved for, for 35 years in the professional game. So it's given me a lot. Uh, I'm just trying to give back now to, to, the, to the young kids coming through. It's quite an unpleasant birth for, you, for your mother if you've got a cricket bat coming out with you. <laughs> we, we, we won't focus on that bit. It was only a miniature bat, so it wasn't too bad. <laughs> I mean, just just on the kind of giving back thing, I mean, you obviously moved into coaching since you finished uh, playing, and, and we'll, yeah. we'll talk a bit about the coaching. But you're out there in the UAE at the moment with the, the Bangladesh Under-19s, aren't you? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been the head coach of the Under-19 program in Bangladesh now since July last year, and it's 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 a tough it's a tough gig, um, mainly because the, the young boys during COVID that the whole whole of their cricket was shut down, so they've got a World Cup coming up in January uh, 24, so only a couple well eight months away, nine months away, um, and t- to lose two years of cricket um, has been pretty tough for them to to sort of. Re- um, regather their where their where their skill level should be, but the just the joy on their face when they actually do play cricket, you know, it, it's something that you you can't can't explain properly. Um, but it's been a, it's been a great challenge. Um, there's a couple of real good super, well potential future superstars in this group, and you know they they are sponges at this age too. It, it's been a great yeah, great great experience for me and the coaches that have been involved uh, just to listen to the players and watch the players uh, develop and get better um it's it's been brilliant so yeah i'm i'm thoroughly enjoying what i'm doing right now spoken to a few coaches on this podcast and obviously you achieved a lot playing wise but how mm. how different how satisfying what what's the different kind of dynamic in seeing somebody you've kind of invested some of your time in actually go out there and score 100 or take a five for yeah, oh, mate, towards the back end of my playing career when you're a senior player and you're helping players 
out in the middle. You you might be batting with them during a partnership and they're going through a tough period and you, you try and help them. You talk them through the next, you know, five to ten overs that you're out there and to see them come through that and to, to go on and make a big score was probably more satisfying than scoring scoring the runs yourself. And coaching, I see, is is very similar to that. Um yeah, you know, there are times when you, you've you've got to follow what you know cricket boards and what have you want you to do, and they they want you to come in and do a specific you know type of coaching method, or um, you know they want you to show some tough love or what have you. So you get you've got to follow direction, but also you know with that um, you've got to help the, the guys as much as possible. And you know, if they come out and they start scoring runs, well, you know what that's that's probably as I said that's probably better than scoring the runs yourself at times. I'd imagine it's 50-50. And half the time you're pulling your hair out thinking, why haven't you listened to me? And the other half you think, wow, fantastic. <laughs> well, having been there, I probably put my coaches through, you know, that sort of uh, mindset as well. You know, what what the hell are you doing? We didn't tell you to do that. But when you get out in the middle, you know, the pressure, uh, I keep saying, you know, pressure does strange things to people. And, you know, if you if you come out the other top, you work, other side, you work it out yourself during that period of time, you, you become successful. Um, it's certainly very rewarding. You've obviously coached uh, West Indies, you've coached Middlesex, you've coached kind of almost like the finished product, um, and now you're coaching the under-19s, which are coming through. I I guess there's a difference there, but I mean, as I say, I've spoken to coaches who say a lot of it is just off the pitch. You kind of sit down, have a chat with people, and just kind of create that the mindset. A lot of it's played in the head, isn't it? You know, the big difference is, um, you know, out here I said the uh, the, I've always got to you've almost got to coach the coaches into how to think about, you know, different scenarios at practice. Um, practice is really, really important. Um, you know, the young players, they they don't know. Um, and the, these young kids, they, they, they really need guidance. Uh, they need they need you to be their, you know, their father, their big brother, um, their mother at times. Um, so to, to encapsulate all that is, is probably the most difficult part. Um, watching them get out and play, um, play the game is probably the most enjoyable side of, side of this uh, this job but as you said before you know the mental side of things is where they they can sort of come undone um and be being really emotional people the the bangladesh or anyone from the subcontinent they, they, their emotions run really high so they're either really up or really down mm. there's no no in between so when things are going well uh, everyone's up and when things start not going so well they they go they don't just go a little bit down they go all the way down so when they do get into trouble it, it can um escalate out of control so to try and keep them at a level uh playing field and level mentally during a match during pressure situations is 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 where you'll get the most most out of them if you can achieve that or if we can achieve that um there's some high talent just the talent can come through and they can showcase their skills so that's the real challenge if not a cricketer, Stuart Law, what would you have been doing with your life? What would where would life have taken you? Oh, mate, oh, who knows? Um, I didn't like school. I wasn't very good at school. You know, and that's probably not what parents want to hear me talking. <laughs> you know, if I'm coaching their kids, but uh, I, I I had a go at rugby league um, when I was a young young man, but I realised that was probably just uh, a bridge too far for me. Um, I didn't like the. The, the the bigger fellas running at you, the contact was too tough. Um, I probably would have been, you know, something like a. I, I do joke about it when I was a young younger. Um, probably would have been a garbage truck driver. That's probably where I, I probably saw myself. That's that was the level of um, education that I provided myself chasing my dream to play cricket. 
But I think if I hadn't played cricket, I think there would have been something else. So, you know, I was surrounded by good people, um, you know, good role models. My, my father worked, you know, his, his backside off from, you know, years that I can remember. Um, so I think I might have gone into something like a, you know, a fini- financial planner or, you know, insurance or something like that, um, go along the lines because my grandparents were in banking. Uh, my father was in um, insurance. But my uncle, I probably wouldn't have gone down that road. He was a, uh, well, one was a music uh, producer and one was a, uh, a used car salesman. So um, I had, I had a, a myriad of, you know, different opportunities probably if I didn't play cricket. You mentioned a lot of people though. Who was the biggest influence on you as a young player? Who, who brought you through? Who gave you that guidance, that mentorship? Uh, my father was my best coach. Um, you know, I remember in the backyard, I had a ball and a sock uh, hanging from the big tree, the gum tree out in the backyard. And um, I used to go out there for hours and hours and annoy the you know, living daylights out of the neighbours. They, they didn't like us too much. And I just remember my father coming out. I was about six or seven and I was just hitting the ball. And he goes, right, if you want to do this, you're going to have to do it properly. And he just showed me the basics of it. And from there, I, I learned every every now and then he'd come out and have a look. He'd take me down the nets and we'd we'd work on a few things. Um, and then once you know, I progressed through to uh, playing A grade cricket, you know, he was always there to 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 offer me advice. Uh, some some I liked, some I didn't. Um, the critique was very brutally honest, but I think that's the that's that's what made me the player I was. Um, you know, to to be told that you know forty five was yeah well played, but you know, not good enough. You know, if you want to go further, you've got to score more than that. And, you know, if you get out for 30, you know, oh, did you get tired, did you? Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. And just, you know, wound me up and I thought, right, I'll show you. And, you know, lo and behold, it um, it worked for it worked for me. But my father, yeah, definitely. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Together, we save balls. If I could take you back and you could relive any 24 hours in your cricketing life and have that day again with the highs, the good, the good, uh, a good day in your career, which one would you uh, want to relive? Oh man, oh man, um, yeah, too many um, to to probably narrow it down to you know, one that springs to mind immediately. But um, probably the '96 World Cup final um, played against Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka beat us. Um, maybe you know if we had of had a bit more, um, you know, reconnaissance about the ground and the conditions that we were going to face. Maybe, you know, it could have been sitting here as a World Cup winner. That would have been that would have been nice. Um, but you know, to be honest, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy, pretty stoked with you know some of the days that I had. That last day of the Lancashire uh, Lancashire chasing down 480 to win the championship against Surrey on the last day, um, and we finished you know 24 short. 
got out to a shot I don't normally play, which, uh, you know, once again, you know, pressure does funny things to people. It doesn't matter who you are or, you know, how experienced you are, you still, you know, face that pressure. Um, maybe that would have been good to, to sit there and, you know, to chase down a total is great to win a trophy, but 484, um, there's a reason why you don't chase down 484 every day of the week. It's, it's almost impossible, but we nearly got there. That would have been a, that would have been fantastic, and to win a championship um, would have been great. I hadn't realised until I looked at your um, your stats. I mean, your stats stand next to most people's, don't they? You're averaging over 50 in first class cricket, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 27,000 first class runs is just a ridiculous mm. number of runs. Um, but just the one Test match there, Stuart. Obviously, you you're in that period where it was an incredible Australian side, but you played one test match got 54 not out I never played again that was that's quite bizarre isn't it yeah and you know thanks for bringing it up again I, I almost got over it you know um <laughs> I, I remember after the after the after that test match um Trevor Hones who was Queenslander one of my good mates I was a chairman of selectors uh and I just spoke to him and said okay I, I, I was out I was in the team for Steve War. Steve War was injured um I was then you know replaced by Steve War, and I thought fair enough and I, I was told that David Boone was retiring at the end of that series. And, you know, Trevor Hone said, well, look, well, Ricky Ponding is going to be the number three. Um, you know, there, there will be a space available. And so you just keep doing what you're doing and we'll give you, we'll give you a nudge when the time comes. And I'm still waiting for that nudge. Um, you know, every time, you know, I'd ring him, eventually he got sick of me, give him a call. He'd go, <laughs> he almost, oh, he did. He answered the phone with, right, what do you want now? You know, and I, I said, well, mate, this is what you said and this is what's actually happened. I'm a bit confused, you know, what, mm. what's going on? You pick someone from obscurity. Um, I've been here in in and amongst the setup, one test, one one innings, 54 not out. Why not? Why not me? And he goes, oh, decision we made. I'm, I'm sorry. So, okay, sarah, sarah. Quite a few um, very good players in that period that, you know, Darren Lehman had to wait a long, long time to get into the, uh, into the side, didn't he? And the, a lot of people who, you know, ripped up county cricket who were Australian, yeah. you know, hardly touched the uh, the Australian national team and were very, very good players. It was a frustrating time for many, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And and Darren, you mentioned Darren Lehman. He um, he played for Australia when he was 18, 19. So, you know, he came in, you know, went away back to Sheffield Shield cricket then finally found his way over to county cricket, scored a mountain of runs before he went back into the Australian side. Matthew Hayden was the same. You know, Matthew Hayden played a period of test matches out of the team for a good period of time, then back in and, you know, the rest is history. So oh, I just wish I had that, <laughs> had that, you know, resurgence or rebirth, uh, you know, two or three years later, which may have given me, you know, more of an idea of if I could have handled um, test match cricket. But, you know, to knock out guys, people, people say to me, you know, it must be disappointing. I went to knock out, I wasn't just knocking out players. I was knocking out legends of Australian cricket um, yeah. when it comes, when it boils down to it. Um, and I can always say that I did play with those guys in a test match. I played 50-odd one-day internationals with the same players. You know, so I, I can say I've been there. Yeah, I would have loved to have nailed a few more, but it uh, wasn't to be. Illustrious county career in England, Essex and Lancashire, coach of Middlesex as well. I mean, we a lot of talk about the state of county cricket. Is it strong enough? Yep. Every time we get beaten by the Australians, county cricket's at fault. Every time we win, it's the um, state of the international team rather than <laughs> the benefit of county cricket. How, how did you ever, how did you see the strength of county cricket? Did you enjoy your time? I mean, you must have done because you kept coming back, but did you enjoy county cricket? Oh, oh mate, I, I absolutely love county cricket, mainly because it's everyone's dream to to come to England to play 
play cricket, whether it be league cricket, whether it be county cricket, international Ashes tour. Um, as a young Australian growing up, that's what you wanted to do. Um, so every time I came, you know, when I first when I first arrived at Essex, um, Alan Border was good friends with Graham Gooch, and Border, you know, recommended me to to Graham Gooch, as did Mark War. And I do remember the last game of the Queensland season, Alan Border floating around. He goes, "You're going to Essex, aren't you?" I went, "Yes, yes, I am." He said, "Right, I've recommended you. Don't you dare let me down." <laughs> I went, oh. Okay, so I had that ringing in my ears every time I went out. And because every season went past and I wasn't playing for Australia, I was getting frustrated. And I thought, right, the only thing I can do now is every time I play county cricket, because when I came in 96, you were still playing against some of the world-class, you know, bowlers from around the world. And the the England boys were playing, Darren Goff, Andy Caddick, you know, the two top bowlers in England, they were playing uh, county cricket. So every county game became my test match. You know, and I'd just go out there and just try and put runs again up against, you know, the 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 sides that I was playing. It didn't matter who it was. Just try to put runs on the board and just to prove myself that I can do it day in, day out, um, which is what county cricket's all about. You've got to learn to play tired because, you know, it, it was it was relentless. Um, and to do that, um, you know, made me realise that, okay, I'm, I'm probably good enough to play international cricket when you're playing against the likes of, you know, Alan Donald, uh, you know, Kirtley Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Darren Goff, um, Andy Caddick, et cetera. So, um, you know, it was, I did. I absolutely loved it and I still love it today. I, I disagree with a lot of people saying that Sheffield Shield cricket is the strongest competition in the world. I, I disagree with that. I don't think it's any stronger than what county cricket is and county cricket's probably not any stronger than Sheffield Shield cricket is right right here, right now. Um, I think they've both got their pros and cons. Um, County cricket for me was was an opportunity to play at the quintessential county ground. Worcester is one of the mm. one of the most picturesque, beautiful grounds I played at, and to play at the international stadiums was uh, was something um, you know something that I cherished. You mentioned the relentless nature of county cricket. There was talk about a reduction in the number of games to be played in the championship. I can remember talking to Jason Gillespie, and he said the difference. He, he loved county cricket as well, but he said the difference mm. is that. Um, you are going from one ground to another to another to another in, in the county game. Whereas in the Sheffield Shield, you might get a little bit more time to prepare for the next opposition and actually think about your game. And if you're struggling to put a few things right, is that can you see that? At, which which is easy, which yeah. is easier as a player? I mean, I mean, you're tuning tuning out runs left, right, and centre probably. So you hardly ever were out of form, were you? But did you find it hard to do it day in day out? Uh, well, well. I- Found it hard. It, it, it wasn't easy, believe me. But um, it's what I chose to do, so I had to make it make it work mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah, Dizzy's right in what he says, and we've always said this that county um, county cricket. The difference between county cricket and Sheffield Shield cricket. After a Shield match, you probably got a week, week and a half to prepare for the next game. Um, whereas in county cricket, when I played first played, I remember we played you know, nine days in in ten, and that was you know two or three venue changes in that in that time as well. So, you know, you didn't have that time. If you got into a it, – it's easy. You, you, play, you play a lot of cricket. It's easy to get into bad habits. And if you're getting into bad habits and you, 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 your form starts sliding, well, then you, you don't have time in county cricket, the relentless nature of it. You didn't have time to go back to the nets to, to work a few things out, talk to someone. You, did do it on the, you had to do it on the fly. And I think that that teaches a lot about – you know, self-coaching as well. I think a lot of people are too, nowadays are too reliant on a coach to tell them what to do. If you you don't have that out in the middle, you don't have that luxury. If you're batting, 
you can't have your coach standing just behind you saying go forward to the, the half volley and go back to the short ball and all the rest of it and you know you've got to work it out yourself and that that taught me how to do that and I knew cues that if I was hitting the ball in a certain area what I was doing wrong and you know it gave me a trigger in my mind to say okay I've got to concentrate on xyz now and you know usually it mightn't happen overnight but it might take a a, a week or two weeks to to get back into your your groove and the, the test of a, a quality player is when you're feeling out of form, you're still scoring runs because it's not about how you look. It's about how many you score. And I think young kids forget about that these days. They just want to look great, hit beautiful, you know, beautiful cover drives. Um, it's pretty difficult in April and May against the Duke ball in England to, to hit a pretty cover drive. You've got to be ugly. You are listening to the Cricket Badger Podcast. The Cricket Badger Podcast is fueled by coffee. Take a look at cricketcoffeeco.com for some excellent speciality coffee for cricket badgers. Expertly roasted and ethically sourced, the coffee is fantastic. Cricketcoffeeco.com. Quote Badger with your order and you'll get 10% off. Was there a poster boy on the young Stuart Law's wall? Who was the hero of yours when you were a kid? Was there anybody oh. you looked up to? Yeah, there was, mate. Um, I was lucky enough. Um, I had a men- I had mentors. Um, you know, my father introduced me to Greg Chappell as a young man. Um, so I remember sitting in his office as a 14, 15-year-old and just you know, talking about batting uh, with, with Greg Chappell. Um, I moulded myself around three players. I love Martin Crow from New Zealand. What yeah. a What a beautiful technician, but also he, he was, he was big in stature. I stood next to him once and my God, he's a, he's a big man, but he also carried New Zealand on his shoulders. Um, but the way he did it, the class he had, um, technique wise, um, the power and the determination, he was one. So Greg Chappell, Martin Crow, and the, the great Sir Ivan, <laughs> Isaac, Vivian, Alexander Richards. Um, uh, I wish I had his, his brutal power and, you know, sheer confidence. Um, when he walked out to bat, um, those three guys, I, I sort of wanted to play a little bit like them. You know, in different situations, you you needed to be all three of them. Um, but if I could be be one of them, it would it would have been Sir Viv. Sir Viv was my hero as well when I was younger. Mm. He just had everything, didn't he? He got like muscles on his muscles, in swagger and everything. Oh, just incredible! Um, yep. Fantastic Confidence. player to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've seen uh, seen a few things where he said, "Yeah." He, it was a bit of an act, all that swagger. Basically, the confidence wasn't quite as much yeah. as, as he portrayed, but he wanted to actually impose that on the opposition. Well, the, the opposition felt it. Um, yeah. Even if he didn't feel great, opposition just saw him walking out, you know, the chewing the gum, the tapping the bat handle with his glove yeah. and, you know, the, the head back and the cap just sitting on the top of his head. And, right, it was one of those things. If he, if he got going, we saw a lot of him in Australia against, you know, some high-quality fast bowling and to walk out at, you know, the whacker with, you know, just to cap on and take on Lillian Thompson and yeah. you know, not just take them on, but destroy them. Um, it was great to watch as a kid. You know, when he came in, we we were out in the backyard or out, in the, out, out playing whatever we were doing, riding bikes and whatever. When he when he came in the bat, everyone just disappeared and they went and watched him. So you didn't want to miss it. Yeah, fantastic player. Um, if I could let you, this is a question about a current player. But if I could let you jump into the body um, of a current player, have their life for 24 hours, have their skills uh, and uh, their challenges and their successes, who would you pick? Um, Virat Kohli. 
what he's what he's had to go through. I know Sachin Tendulkar before him um, had it as well. You, you had you know people on your shoulders, and most people don't quite understand when you go to India. You you play cricket, you've got you know nearly two billion people wanting you to you know drag India over the line, and and to bat with that sort of pressure. Um, and the way he goes about it, um, his his record is phenomenal. The way he captains, you know, sometimes he goes overboard, sometimes he goes over the top, but I think he's so emotional. Um, yeah. He involves the crowd and whatever the way he does it. And off field, he's, he's a tremendous role model. So, um, yeah, Virat Kohli for me. West Indies uh, being the head coach there, mm. um, how was that? Because that, that's a, yeah, we talked about Viv Richards and obviously the that great team, that he was part yeah. of and Clive Lloyd before him, uh, one of your predecessors at, at Lancashire. Um, but obviously, West Indies going through a slightly tougher time um, at the moment. Was that a challenge, that the, taking on the West Indies job? Yeah, it was. Um, but it was probably the best two years of coaching I've, I've ever been involved in. Um, it's not a bad place with the, to live for a start, is it? <laughs> it's not bad, but you don't spend too much time on the beach. You know, you're always, you're always at work, unfortunately. But... Um, the young test team that we had, I remember coming to England, um, you know, and Jeffrey Boycott, you know, quite happily saying it's the worst ever West Indies team that's ever come to the shores. And we got beaten in a day-night test match at Edgebaston. We were copping it left, right and centre. And then we came out and beat England at uh, Headingley with Shea Hope scoring two hundreds in each innings. Um, so to be a part of that group, they, the the misconception of the West Indies is they, they don't want to play test cricket. They don't. They don't really care. They don't really care. They just want to play T20. They're just chasing the money. And that's that's so wrong. It's not funny. You know, you sit in that dressing room. Everyone wants to play test cricket that's in that test squad. Um, there's a few others, you know, the superstars, the Andre Russells and Chris Gales at the time. They'd finished mm-hmm. with their test side. So that's fine. Uh, test side, that's fine. But that that's that's only a small you know, sample size of what the West Indies are about. And, you know, even a guy like Shimron Hepmeyer, who now is out of the West Indies test side, he always had ambition to play test cricket. He, he wanted to be the highest run scorer in, in test. He des- desperately wanted to play test cricket. Uh, other things have curtailed that for him. But the, the biggest challenge with the, the West Indies was mass, you know, ma- managing the, the ultimate egos uh, from the T20 side. And, you know, deep down, they're all really... Really good people. Shimon Hetmeyer and the challenges of the T20 thing. I mean, you could basically feel the West Indies team of the people that have kind of fragmented away, couldn't you, and gone down the T20 franchise route? Yeah, true. Um, you know, but the, the cricket in the region means so much to the people as well. So, you know, they, they still have the, you know, the the glory years in their forefront of their mind. Um, you know, the, the 17 years of domination of world cricket. Um, what a fantastic cricket team they were. And, you know, the, it's it's far from that at the moment, but there's there's other reasons for it. You know, and you get down into the nitty gritty, and you know, it's not a it's not a case. It might not be the only thing that's holding them back, but the funds that the ICC issue out to all the countries, you know, the big three in India, England, and Australia get the most, and then to try and run a first class system, um, you know, tournaments in the West Indies, it's it's slightly different everywhere else because everywhere's a flight. Um, so yeah. it's, it's similar to Australia and South Africa and places, it, but everywhere's a flight, but it's an international flight. So the international tickets, flight tickets are a bit more than domestic. Um, they don't have a low cost airline because they don't need to. The one services all the islands um, and they basically charge what they want, um, hotel fees and what have you. And to, to, to put together the Leeward Islands 
it's just a it's a group of players from you know three to four to five to six islands, and they've got to have a base. So you've got to put them up as well. And that out of fifty million, you know, for a four year cycle, I'm not exactly sure of the exact number, but I do remember that number being mentioned compared to four hundred and fifty. If you if I put you in charge of world cricket for a day, what's the first thing you'd do? Stuart Law's on the on the door at the ICC. What would you do? I'd I'd make it a, an even playing field. To be honest, um, that goes back you to know, your previous but, answer, really, isn't it? Yeah, the distribute distribution of you know funds to to make sure that cricket is a we're trying to say it's a game for all, and we're trying to make it the global game. Um, and I think to do that, we need to you know understand that things need to be put in place for countries to be able to put teams out on the field. So a distribution of funds, you know, not not equal, but you know, let's let's up a few of the, the lesser nations to give them a bit of a, a leg up. My name is Jacob and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Transport yourself back in time and explore the fascinating and harrowing story of the Titanic's maiden voyage. Now open at Kosai. Don't miss Titanic, the Artifact Exhibition. This epic exhibit features over 200 authentic artifacts recovered from the ocean floor. Discover poignant passenger and crew accounts and majestic recreated interiors, including the iconic Titanic Grand Staircase. Tickets for Titanic, the Artifact Exhibition are on sale now. Book your voyage at Kosai.org. If you were starting your career again today as a youngster, is there anything you'd tell yourself, um, you know, anything you'd do differently, anything that you'd give that young Stuart Law, that advice you'd give him knowing what was around the corner? Yeah, head down and score your runs. That's <laughs> that's basic. That's basically it. Um, the rest will follow. Don't go chasing. Um, it's difficult this day and age because it's all about chasing the money um, and there's plenty of money out there to, to be had. But I still think those that, pursue the international, you know, want to play for your, your country in all formats, um, you'll be looked after better than uh, the most. So head down, bum up, score your runs. <laughs> Would the 12-year-old Stuart Law be very happy with what you achieved in your career? Um, no, 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 not, not at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to play I wanted to play for Australia for a long time. I remember my school teachers telling me I'd never do it. Um, it's a stupid thing to, to want. Um, and to to only have played one test, I would, would have loved to have played, you know, even even twenty test matches. Um, but you know, I set out. I would have, I would love to have played a hundred um, and become, you know, one of the best players that you know Australia had. So uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But you know, as a twelve year old, now I'd, I'd look back and go, no, I've done nothing. Wow, you're harsh, <laughs> <laughs> but fair. <laughs> um, they, right, we're on to more frivolous questions now. You can answer these with one word if you want to. They say oh, rock right. stars want to be sportsmen and vice versa. If you could have been famous doing something else, what would you like to have done? Lincoln oh, Tarrant with a rock band or something? Yeah, either. No, I'd, I'd probably be more like a drummer, I reckon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If you could meet anybody, living or dead, somebody, uh, some hero out there, who would you who would you quite like to have met that you haven't met? Mate, I'm... One of my sporting idols growing up was Andre Agassi. Oh, um, yeah. Um, I just, I just love the way he went. He's the story of him as a young kid growing, going through that tennis, you know, regime as a youngster was, um, you know, nearly turned him away from sport. Um, and he turned it around to become one of the greatest of all time. So, yeah, Andre Agassi. They're gonna make the Lawman the film about your life. Who would play you? 
<laughs> well, I have been, and I don't know, I, I'm not really know too much about the bloke, but I have been mistaken for Max Beasley a few times. Um, oh, okay. not, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not recently, but uh, in my younger days, yeah. So, uh, I think he'd be uh, he'd be top of the list. My wife seemed to like him a bit, so that's okay. Well, I've got, I've got a suggestion. I'll just put him on the screen. Mm. Mark Wahlberg. I, I, <laughs> similar, similarities there, isn't there? Oh, I'll take that. I'll take I'll take Marky Mark. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the last time you can remember feeling really nervous? Were you a nervy player? Were you somebody that ready to go out there? You got got all cold sweat, or did you take things in your stride? Um, towards the end of my career, not not nervous so much because you knew exactly what you were doing. Um, you know, at times you're a bit more apprehensive, but never, never nervous. Um, as we say back home, not shaking like a shitting dog. Um, haven't been that nervous, but you know, I think nerves are good though. You, you've got to understand what nerves do. And if, if you can make, turn it around and make them work for you, it can be real powerful. So I, I can't remember the last time, but there would have been a time recently, even in a coaching career where, you know, you, you sit back and you, you, you are nervous. Um, yeah. Your hands, are, your palms are sweaty. You, you're waiting for, you know, your team to go out and, you know, hopefully follow through with the plan that um, you come up with. What is the top item on your bucket list? Things to do before you die. Um, well, you know, people say parachuting. I don't know. No, no enjoyment. Nothing to do. That. No, I don't want to do that. I have a fascination, um, and my wife and I have got a fascination with sharks. Um, growing up in Australia, um, you know, you, you, I've had a few swim under a surfboard and, you know, that's, that's a bit frightening. Um, but I'd like to go to South Africa or a place in Australia called Port Augusta where you can go and cage dive with the great whites. I'll let you do that on your own. I don't want to come on that one. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I want to do it, but <laughs> I'll have a go. Yeah. On a scale of one to 10, 10 is the Fonz, one is me. How cool are you? <laughs> Uh, well, 35 years ago, I thought I was really cool. I thought I was about a 12, but uh, now I'm, I'm about mid-road, mate. I'll, I'll go five or a six. <laughs> if you had access to a time machine, you can take it forwards or backwards um, in the world. Where would you take it? What part of history or the future would you like to see? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. Um, good question. I, I think I'd like to go and see the future and what it holds for, you know, is all this, um, you know, move towards renewable energies, is it going to be sustainable and achievable, to be honest? Um, you know, that's that's one thing I'd like to like to get hold of. We're, we're getting told a lot of information. Um, and some people are saying it's a load of rubbish. Other people are saying, no, it's the only way that the world's going to survive. So I'd like to go forward and see if that uh, that is the case. Good answer. Good answer. Um, you're right, you've been all over the place. Um, obviously, you... If you could have a, a second home anywhere in the world, um, oh, where would you put it? It'd be near a golf course. Um, <laughs> I love Thailand. Mm. So anywhere on the in the country of Thailand, uh, particularly around the, the beach areas. So um, Phuket, uh, Hua Hin, around there. I'd absolutely love to see my days out there playing golf and just lying on the beach. Sounds all right. And avoiding the sharks. Um, <laughs> no sharks there, mate, apparently. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would you change? Other people's perception of me. Um, they don't, they, they see me as the player that I was, you know, 30 or 20, 20 years ago. And, um, you know, people don't realize how, how much I've changed uh, in time. And 
I think the greatest thing that that happened to me was the birth of my son, who's now twenty one. Mm. Um, you, you you do learn to to calm down and cool it a bit, but yeah, other people's perception. It's been it's been a bit tough at times um, when you hear about people who don't even know you saying what type of person you are, and you think, well, mm. mate, how do you know? You know, and that's that's the thing that that irks me a bit. But oh well, that's life, I suppose. Well, you think you've got that image of being like a hothead from when you were younger that people still see oh, you as that? Hothead. I've been called recently. I've been called, you know, hard. I'm not hard. I'm honest. Um, I don't think honesty is a bad thing to to be. Yeah. Um, honesty is only as bad as what you – a lot of people don't like hearing the truth. Probably the way I deliver it at times is is very harsh, but sometimes there's no, no easy way to tell someone the truth, you know, and unfortunately for me, I – I've just got that in me that I'll, I'll tell it how it is, but it doesn't make me a bad person. And that's the, that's, that's the perception I want to change. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of things that have been said about me in Australia as well. And usually said without my knowledge or usually said without me having an ability to to talk back about it. Um, so there's always two sides to, to every story. And, you know, I'm sure that uh, some people understand who I am and that's, that's okay. You know, I've, I've got, I've got my circle of friends and, that's all I need. But some other people who, you know, you probably think they might be influential in your future career, mm. um, don't really know the real Stuart Law. What will you be doing in 10 years' time? Hopefully living on a golf course in Thailand, playing golf and <laughs> sipping <laughs> sipping cold drinks on the beach. That'd be that'd be nice. But mate, no, I'd, I'd like to still be involved in, in cricket in some capacity, whether it, it might not be involved in direct contact with players. Um it, it might be in in other capacities, you know, to to commentate. There's so many, there's so many different games and competitions these days, um, you know, and to just have a different voice in the in the commentary box would be, I think, is be refreshing as well. Um, but stay involved in cricket, I, I, mate. I, I'm a cricket tragic. I'm like you. I, I love cricket, absolutely love it. Always have, always will. I'll always stand up for it. You know, test test match cricket is my favourite. I'll always stand up for test match cricket. I love watching the T20s. I love watching the 50 hour game. I think cricket's the winner. Um, right. Have you, no, you haven't frozen. Right. We were okay for now, I think. Because <laughs> um, this, is, this is the last question, Stuart. So we've, got, we've finally All got right. there, I think. Um, so Perseverance gets us through. Hopefully the connection stays for this one last question. If you'd been me today and you'd been interviewing yourself, is there anything you'd have asked that I haven't asked to get a tremendous answer? <laughs> oh, favorite off-field activity maybe um I, I always tried I always tried to make sure that I was having fun and you know you hear, you hear people know you've got to think about you know your, your cricket or think about your job 24 7 you can't let it go if you want to be the best you've got to do that if I did that I would have been mentally fried by 26 so always when I finished you know whether it be a day's play or a match always got away from the game um, as much as I possibly could just to refresh the mind, reset, and whether it's go out and just relax and have a few drinks um, and whatever. So I would have asked, you know, what what did you do away from cricket to, to keep your mind, you know, level and what was your favourite off-field activity? I would say having a beer with mates. And it sounds like a round of golf as well these days. Yeah, round of golf. Yeah. My wife my wife plays off 13, so I've got to be good enough to have a round with her. So... Um, I've got to I've got to lift my game a bit. <laughs> what's what's your handicap at the minute? Mine, I don't have one. I'm not a member of a club. Um, you probably find this hard to believe. I, I didn't like the snooty attitude of the the golf clubs and 
you know, you've got to wear this type of, you know, long socks and all the rest of it. I thought, that's not yeah. for me. But now they're a bit more relaxed. I'm, I'm starting to come back. So uh, who knows? In future, I might have one. I might have one for you. Were you the coach of West Indies when Shannon Gabriel did that shot? Got out. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> I, I remember the um, camera just panning around to you. I, I thought it was you. What was, going yeah, was your, what was going through your head in that, that moment? Because that was oh. um, slightly frustrating, I'd imagine. Well, it was, but also you've got to put it in context. He's, he's a number 11 batsman. He shouldn't be in that position. You know, the, yeah. the batsman should have been doing the job. And I remember 10 minutes afterward, he came up to me, after the game finished, he came up to me and said, Coach, I need time off. I need to get away from this. I went, well, come here. And I spoke to him about his, okay, what was your thought process? And he said, well, all the fielders came in. If I defended and got out, I'd look a fool. If I had a swing and I got half a bat on it, it's going to clear everybody and I'd be safe. So he only had to face one ball. And unfortunately, the inside edge is onto the stumps. But I said to him, mate, the thought process is 100% right, you know, because he, he couldn't trust his defense. So to have a swing, and he's a big, strong man. I see. If he got half a bat on it, it was going for six, you know. So the thought process is right. And I just said, mate, bad. Just the execution wasn't quite there. And, you know, oh, people still laugh at me, you know, oh, yeah, what was he doing? What was he doing? You know, people have laughed at me about it and what have you. But, Shango, I'll stick up for him. His his thought process was right. And number number two, he shouldn't have been in that position. The batsman should have been doing the job. It's an amazing moment, though. It's fantastic. Oh, mate, it was. Fantastic <laughs> moment. To draw the watch. series. Yeah. To draw the series as well. And oh mate, yeah. it would have would have given us a real real lift. But oh well, that's that's the beauty of cricket. Stuart Law, thank you very much today. I've had a load of messages coming in whilst you've been on um, thanking you for uh, keep connecting. And I'd like to thank you as well for keeping <laughs> connecting because it's been a frustrating line that we've had, but we've got there in the end. You've answered the 20 questions. We got to number 20. Um, and uh, I wish you all the best for the future. Enjoy the UAE. Enjoy your, your coaching with Bangladesh and the 19s. And uh, thank you very much indeed for being a guest on the Cricket Pageant podcast today. No, James, thanks for having me. And a you know, big shout out to everybody listening. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. All the best, everybody. Then. Thank you very much for watching. I'll edit this down. We won't have the little interruptions when I put this out as an audio <laughs> podcast. Later. So anybody that listens to this will have no idea that we've had all the frustrations that we've had. But thanks again to Stuart. Thanks again to everybody for watching. And we'll see you again very soon indeed. Sports Social Podcast Network.